it is Monday, November 5th, and we're coming to you live from the SCG alongside about 80 people in the stands in true Sheffield Shield oh, look, Don't be too pessimistic, Al. It's maybe 200. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, it, is a, it is a Monday, to be fair, an overcast Monday, drawing near Christmas. I'm Alistair Belling. Hey everyone, I'm Miles Caddy. And welcome to a special edition of State of Play, a Sheffield Shield podcast, where we're actually watching the game, which is very exciting. We've currently got... Oh, let's have a look. We've got Rogers steaming in for Tasmania, and Sanger is nicking them through the slips and riding his luck. Well, to be fair, that was a square square drive straight through the gully region for well, four. Well, that is true. The, <laughs> my, my vision is slightly impeded by a post. But big week in... Uh, Australian cricket with the culture review it, it keeps uh, the plot thickens yeah so news in from today is that Mark Taylor's resigned as chairman of the board of Cricket Australia now I only got my notification on the phone about this literally half an hour ago and I have not read anything about it this is a breaking story so you know this is this is the hot scoop what what give us give us the rundown is this in protest of the culture or do you think taylor is as much a part of this issue as everyone else look i see taylor leaving his job similarly to how i'd see darren lehman leaving his job or james sutherland or sutherland in one sense no there's no kind of direct implication between taylor and what's happened but you know it's a new era of australian cricket and and kind of heads roll in events as big as what happened I over in Cape Town happened so well, well with respect to Taylor and I'm not saying that I'm not saying this about him personally but this is the biggest head in a respect sense to roll I would say don't you think in t- like obviously yes, James Sutherland yeah. is the CEO of Cricket Australia but when it comes to respectability I, I feel this is akin to I don't know Roger Federer stepping off the world tour because of uh-huh. conduct issues or something well you know and and both as a person in administration and as an ex-player you'd have to agree that you know it's, he's obviously a, a, a big personality in, in Australian cricket and you know it kind of his his leaving is really kind of he's one of the last to go from the Lehman era yeah the the, the golden the golden era since the Invincibles as someone said but <laughs> he never really had a reputation for being a win at all cost captain though did he I, mean, I thought I always assumed Toby Taylor was sort of like the big teddy bear after Alan Border, who kind yeah. of put a bit of put a bit of a shine back on the face of Australian cricket. Well, as uh, things at the top of Australian cricket kind of keep turning over and over, we uh, we're here to cast our eyes over really <laughs> what you might see is the other end of things, the other the other side of the spectrum. And what better time to do it? We've just had an international ODI, and I think again the word batting collapse strikes a chord with many viewers mm. and many listeners. Now, thankfully, in this game, we're currently watching New South Wales. I mean, they lost a couple of quick wickets earlier, but they're, they're digging their feet into the ground against against the Tasmanians. And I can't help but feel what we're seeing it all around the grounds at the moment, some long, patient, thought-out innings. We've seen batting collapses in the first few rounds of the Shield. Before this, is there a sense of... Um, everyone trying to come together to build a different culture around how <laughs> around teams go about building an innings. Certainly patience has been the mark of the day. So as we record here, New South Wales electing to bat first. Four for 166. Larkin went early, but Hughes and Patterson digging in. Big century stand. and um, Hughes, Hughes particularly was looking great. 78 off 186. Good long innings. I mean, that's akin to Renshaw over for the... Queen. We'll, we'll get to the Queensland game in a minute, actually. Let's just stay here for now. 
Is this a reaction, do you think, to the broader issue of voting collapse, or is there something just about this particular day in Sydney? Look, I'm sure state coaches are saying something about patient batting, and and that's what we've seen here, even if it is on a pretty slow deck, which is what we've got in front of us today. Which is interesting, because we're seeing more varied pitches now all around the country, even thinking back to that green top we saw in Queensland, mm. it seems those recommendations are beginning to come into effect somewhat. And there's public recommendations, but my suspicion is that more behind the table, I think um, someone at Cricket Australia has had a word to the curators around <laughs> Australia, and um, you know we're seeing we saw a fast bouncy seeming Brisbane wicket, we saw a, you know something in Adelaide where you know seams were getting assistance, and similarly in Tasmania, and the ball's moving quickly in Perth. But sort, of, sort of borderline European wicket in terms of the amount that the South Africans were managing to swing it around. Yeah, there. And, and both at the Wacker and at Optus Stadium, it's been like that. And so, first game here at the SCG, um, it's looking like we've got a kind of more old style SCG wicket, slow, low bounce. You've got two, but, two spinners being played for New South Wales. And ta- ta- sorry. Oh, and Tasmania. Um, not opting to name a frontline spinner, which obviously they haven't done so yet. So Bo Webster has bowled a number of overs. <laughs> the number three, I think he's... How many overs has he clocked up now? I'm just trying to set the scoreboard. He's uh, you, you 18 hear. overs now for 40. <laughs> you will see. Some, you will hear some more pauses than usual in this episode, given that we're actually watching the game itself. The next best thing after the live stream commentary, I would assume... Now... We've got a bit of a special episode today because we are going to be crossing to our maiden interview soon. But before we do that, let's just bang around the grounds and look at what's happening. We'll start with the game that we're at, obviously. As we said before, New South Wales, one for 168, taking it nice... Four for 168. Four for 168, pardon me. Taking things nice and slowly. I can't actually see the run rate and I'm not very good at maths, but I wouldn't think that they're pushing over three and over at this no, rate. No, and they're not. It's two and, two and a bit. Mm. Which I think is a is is, I mean, Tasmania is not the side I would have thought you'd be doing that against though, because they like you just said they don't have a frontline spinner. I wouldn't say they've got the most searing quicks in the shield at the moment. I think a day like this, obviously overcast, cloudy, you'd expect the Jackson Birds to be swinging it around a tiny bit. And to be fair, I believe Bird did get the big breakthrough of Hughes in this first innings, but yeah, it's that's not right. the, it's not the kind of conservative innings that I was expecting. And look, I'd point to the pitch over the conditions, really. That, I mean, it's... You know, you contrast it with the Gabba pitch from the first round, which was hardly distinguishable from the centre square. <laughs> which is weird for a Queensland wicket. Yeah. Um, and and more kind of in line with what, what you're used to seeing from years ago, but here I think the seamers are finding it struggling. Like, fi- they're struggling to find any bounce or pace. So there's one well short of a length just there, and that's tucked away pretty easily by... Um, Peter Neville there, you know, hardly got up to the hip really, so. Yeah. Just just for fun, what, I know we've done our tips for this round already, but given where the games are all sitting at the moment, we're going to make a, make an outcome prediction for this week. I would say, I mean, it's day one. There's not nothing too far going to go on, but the Tassies have got their tail up a tiny bit. They took a few quick wickets before tea. Ah, oh, it feels a bit silly to be making making predictions oh, this early you know, in the game. It's, it's, what, it's what you do. It's what you do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the money on for, um, for Tasmania to continue helping this New South Wales rebuild by giving them a constructive defeat. I'm just hoping to see Payne and Wade bat well together because that would be an interesting moment big, for Australian cricket. Big, big overall. week. Big week for Matthew Wade, actually. 
Let's keep moving around the Let's grounds. Keep moving on. We'll, we'll head over to um, Alan Borderfield in Brisbane, where we're just seeing a lot of batting. <laughs> so, Matty Ranshaw in this first innings with an absolutely thrilling knock of 89 from 215 deliveries. <laughs> to be fair, in a 21-year-old guy, that is sort of the old-school aesthetic that yeah. is enjoyable to watch. And almost all the batsmen made starts. Jimmy Pearson ending up not out. A two taking Queensland nine declared for four hundred and forty-eight. Joe Burns, as we said, missed out, uh, falling short of his fifty. Now, Marnus Lubbershane hasn't been converting that bowling promise that I guess yeah. we saw over in the UAE. So I'd say he'd be extremely disappointed as well to miss out on the wicket that they threw up. But then we look over at the WA um, uh, squad at the moment. Unfortunately, Sean Marsh out with buttock. Absent. Yeah, absent. That's right. Yeah. Well, Mitchell Marsh has taken his opportunity, the younger brother, and he's, as we speak, not out 141. Which I believe is something that we. Um, oh, sorry, just Peter Neville just performing a very dashing cut shot there. Which I believe is something that we knew was coming. Oh, the marshes we, we, always we, look good. We, in shield level. Shield, yeah. <laughs> we saw it last week too. Um, William. Um, Bazisto. Bazisto, that's how I say that name. It's 78 from 203. So we're seeing some more slow, slow, steady, careful so it's coming up on a 200-run partnership, him and Mitch Marsh now. So It really it really is a bit of a bad off. Look, and it, it being day three now. I'm over calling it, a big it, fat draw. Yeah, which <laughs> I think is what we said as well. <laughs> and you know what? I am feeling, well... I feel like the same is possible over in Victoria, but we've got a bit bit more of an interesting game developing here. So South Australia, uh, eight. Well, let's just talk through first. Victoria got three hundred. South Australia better first. South Australia bundled up two hundred and forty four. Mind in, you, with a really impressive innings from Tom Tommy Cooper. Yeah, insanely impressive. Yeah. Jake Lehman again in the runs with fifty six as well. Gee, Cal Ferguson's really missing out. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I, I don't know if any. Our listeners got to see Callum Ferguson's dismissal, but he smashed it into his pads. Creamed, you could hear it around, yeah, echoing yeah. around <laughs> the empty 100,000 seats there at the MCG. So um, Scott Boland actually continuing his excellent start to the season, 7 for 54. Huge, huge from Boland. He's been incredibly consistent, and he doesn't look like his body's breaking down at all, which is great for a fast mm. bowler. We look over at the Victorian innings. I mean, Peter Hanscom... Great innings from him. About time. He'd be relieved, I think, to be back in the runs there. 123 from 216. Again, Marcus Harris looking good. 65 from 109. And Travis Dean as well looked good. But, I mean, there's still three ducks there on the Victorian scorecard, including Cameron White, which is a big scalp. James Pattinson, you know, 32 from him. That's good. We know that he's got batting potential. But Matt Short wasn't able to get going. So I still feel like with the Vicks... They really only build themselves around one or two innings. I feel like if you get any of them out early, and I know that goes for most players, but particularly that top order, um, numbers one through to three, that's what they're building their entire innings around. If you can come out of the blocks easily against them like like the Warriors did a couple of weeks ago, I feel like you're going to be looking at a very different scorecard. Still, I, you know, obviously it looks like they've done enough. So those innings taking them all out for 351, which was a first innings lead of just over 100. South Australia now batting in reply. And, uh, you know, Boland, Patterson and Ahmed and Settle all amongst the wickets. And uh, South Australia looking like they're heading they're for an early moment. defeat tomorrow. Eight down now. 
eight down now. My app still says seven. There you go. It's all up. Oh, there we go. It's all happening. And uh, looks oh. like Scotty Boland just got Nick Winter out. I'm calling yeah Victoria to wrap that one up by lunch tomorrow. Should rain not interfere, but I think I think uh, I think the order of this round really seems to be batting time, which is something that's been was spoken about a lot on the commentary on Foxtel on the weekend with the international game. It's something that has been spoken about in the in the media about changing Australia's batting culture. So I think we're going to see a, a lot more leaves rather than leavers this week. Mm. And uh, with that, we might take you to our special guest interview. Please, make welcome the admin for... Niche sporting memes for JLT Cup loving teens. Hey, mate. How you going? Uh, good, thanks. So, how's, how's your day been? Watching any of the Shield action? Mate, Matthew Wade having a bowl. What an exciting thing to, to behold. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I saw he got one, was it one for 18 or something? Yeah, he, he got Sanger out. Oh, good one. Must have taken a bit to get Sanger out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're just saying, we're, like, he's, he's similar to, um, like, when Bavuma bolts South Africa, like, short little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, sort of pinging it through. Um, but especially on that deck at the SCG, I'm surprised that, you know, Wade was able to have the breakthrough, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was a... Oh. Arguably the flattest decks um, thus far of the Shield season. I mean, Alan Borderfield for the Queensland WA game might be the only other venue that comes close to it, but there's been a lot of green tops going around, and um, I'm quite baffling to, I guess, um, I guess see that Tassie picked uh, four quicks yesterday because they turned to Bay Webster in what was about the 13th over of the morning, and he bowled uh, like 30 overs or something. Yeah, he ended up bowling 30 overs. He was mm. quite unsuccessful. I think he got one wicket, one wicket yesterday. It might have been uh, Curtis Patterson, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, mm, yeah, we're right. a very unusual decision to pick four quicks, especially especially when three of them are very similar bowlers in Bird, Bell and Tom Rogers. You've only really got Riley Meredith as the out-and-out quick, um, mm. so there's not really a lot of differentiation between the bowlers. Mind you, if Tasmania were going to pick a spinner, it would be Clive Rose, is that right? Either Clive Rose or Mac Wright. Um, Clive was picked in the squad of 14 or 15, I believe, uh, but his first-class record in the bowling department isn't that flash-hot, so at the end of the day, I think Tazzy decided yeah, exactly. to just go with probably their four best available bowlers at the end of the day. So, yeah, still a very strange decision, but... Um, I'm 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 really not sold on the Tasmanian bowling stocks at the moment, to be honest. Like I think I think your Jackson Birds are always going to be great, especially on a day like yesterday where it's overcast and anything around. But especially on a pitch like that, I think, it, especially for this round in general, like I feel like we're seeing the the great bat off to try and get into those six test spots, which is yep. cool in a way. But at the same time, I think Matthew Wade said it when he he just said like there's way too much hype placed on those first few rounds of the Shield because it only seems to be about batting all the time. Yep, that's correct. Um, mainly because, I mean, we know who our four best bowlers are in the test squad at the moment. I mean, if, if you look at all of our bowlers being fit, probably only James Pattinson that is a chance to come into the squad. Um, yeah, and he's looking so, on the door with his bat as well. Like He's been scoring runs at first grade, first class yeah. level as well. 
Yes, so much so that Victoria had him batting at number seven for this field game. Um, mm. I, I don't know if he scored any runs in this match. Has he so far? I think got 30 odd miles, you know? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think he did get, get about 30, yeah. We could double check yeah. that. Yeah, 30 odd on, on a green top of the MCG with, uh, mm. Joe Many tearing through the middle order. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Pretty yeah. good result, I'd say. Okay, so. Yeah. We feel that your page is very much, uh, like, well, I wouldn't say after hour and a half, because we're far newer than the page that you're on is, so we're not going to claim any sort of credit. But why don't you tell us, like, uh, what is your name, what what do you do, and what what led you down this road in terms of covering and being excited about domestic cricket, as opposed to, say, you know, the big glory Boxing Day test match or whatever? (laughs) Oh, yes, um, my name's Matthew. Um... And yeah. <laughs> I, I, I started the page with a with a good friend of mine who's also um, a, an avid follower of domestic cricket. It was just over a year ago. Um, we went to a couple of the one days um, at North Sydney in Tremoyne last year. Had a bit of a uh, bit of a match with Renshaw over the fence, and uh, never liked him since. And uh, <laughs> really just brainstorming some ideas. Um, tell, tell, us about, tell us about that dialogue. <laughs> Oh, well, it was Queensland Victoria last year at North Sydney Oval. There was probably about 50 people there in the night session, and uh, Renshaw was quite chirpy, decided to uh, start, you know, saying things like, oh, come on, boys, get a couple of wickets here, get into this inexperienced Victorian middle order. And I'm um, looking at the cards, I'm seeing Seb Gotch coming in at number five, and I said, um, mate, as he come over with his boundary, I'm like, mate, Seb Gotch has actually played 10 one-day games for Victoria. You've only played six. <laughs> uh, so, so schooled him there. He wasn't really appreciative of that. Um, and then he, he decided to keep going on about the inexperienced Victorian middle order, and uh, I, I just, I just found it quite offensive. Um, so I, I was just doing my best to stick up for the poor uh, Victorian youngsters, and uh, yeah, one thing led to another, and yeah, he turned around and just rubbed it into me every time Queensland got a wicket. But yeah, it was good fun. But um, that's awesome. <laughs> didn't like the way him and his friends sung me out at the end of the night. But it was fun for a few hours. Mm. So, so, how do you see the state of uh, Australian domestic cricket as it is? Like, you know, is it is it okay, or do things need to change? What do you reckon? Well, I think crowds aside and interest aside, I think the main thing that's really annoying me at the moment is the fact that we don't see a great deal of competition in state cricket anymore. Um, in the Pat Howard era, what we've seen is it turned into a bit of a development league. Um, mm. I, which is which is the common critique, obviously, but you know, it rings really true every round. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there are some players that I, especially in the one-day comp, where I thought that they were in good form and they'd easily be in their state's best 11. They weren't picked. They made way for younger players, and I think I've even seen it in a few Shield games this year. Um, you look at James Pattinson, I think he only bowled about, what is it, about 10 overs in the first innings of the Shield match. And you've got Tremaine uh, bowling 30, Boland in the, like, bowling around 20 to 30 overs. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking Pattinson, his best, is clearly going to be Victoria's best bowler there. Why don't you throw him the ball? Um, it seems like, and, and obviously that's because they want to, Sort of work his way back into the game. They don't want him to, don't want him to break down. But at the same time, you've got to, 
you've got to think, hey, this is supposed to be a competition on its own. State should be trying to win the Sheffield Shield. They should be trying to win the JLT Cup. They shouldn't just mm. be gifting people games and, you know, worrying about, oh, what the overlords of Cricket Australia want. So that's probably the main thing that's annoying me at the moment. But also the, also the lack of interest and, I guess, the scheduling by Cricket Australia is something that irritates me as well. Oh, totally. In terms of the lack of interest, do you put that solely down to, you know, the BBL phenomena? Because, because I mean, I feel like in one state, in one sense, that seems like the obvious answer. But also, when you've got fifty thousand people turning up to watch, you know, the 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 lack of Joe Many running down for the strikers, you wonder why that then drops off when the exact same players just trade away. The magenta or the or the blue um, pair <laughs> for their shield ships. Oh look, I think that if, if you look at four day cricket, especially, I mean, I think after probably the mid nineties, that really went on a decline in terms of interest. Um, I don't think there's a lot you can do to arrest that, especially the four day game. It's mainly because I mean, you look at the games they play. This one between New South Wales and Tassie at the moment is Monday to Thursday. The game isn't advertised at all. Um, it's slow. The run rate's usually around two to three and over. Um, it's just, in all honesty, it's not that interesting unless you're a cricket purist. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but also, there really is a lack of advertising. Like, if Cricket Australia put out, put out an ad on television saying that, you know, you've got South Australia playing Queensland at Adelaide Oval, come down on Saturday or Sunday to see um, names like... Chad Sayers, Kane Richardson, um, Barnas Labaskugny, uh, Lloyd Pope. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce Labaskugny. Mm. <laughs> I've been saying Labaskugny on a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it's all right. You, you, you keep going, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they might have gotten a few more people in, especially at Adelaide Oval, to potentially maximise mm. um, a crowd of maybe two to 3,000 on a Saturday or a Sunday. But with the one, with the one-day comp, um, a lot of that comes comes down to advertising because I feel like if you have uh, genuine home ga- home games like Victoria playing in Victoria, as we saw in the JLC, they regularly got crowds of around a thousand for the games at the Junction Oval. If it's advertised, um, then I think you can potentially get a few thousand people in for most of those games. But at the end of the day, I think a fair chunk of the the disinterest in state cricket does come down to the Big Bash. Mm-hmm. And one of the criticisms, probably one of the strongest criticisms from the ethics review at Cricket Australia was that, you know, even though they're a non-profit business, they're actually running Cricket Australia as a for-profit business. And it looks like kind of they've just seen that state cricket just isn't going to be profitable no matter how much we advertise. And they've just kind of they've just dropped it entirely. You know, it's not for the love of the game or anything. It's just there's no money in it, so you put no value in it. Hmm. No, I can understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, if we want, I, I, look, I do think that they are that they are valuing the shield um, most most of the time. Um, there is a bit of a criticism that the rounds of Sheffield Shield after the Big Bash are quite meaningless. Mm. I tend to disagree with that because uh, mm. in previous years we've had overseas test tours in South Africa in March. Uh, we've gone over to India in March, the UAE. We've gone over to India in February before, even. Yeah, like, in yeah. India in March. I would say that Shield cricket is actually very relevant um, in mid to late February, especially if you've got those overseas tours. 
Um, so, I mean, obviously, Cricket Australia are, are, de- are definitely trying to maintain the relevance of the Sheffield Shield, but I think in terms of making a profit, like, I don't yeah. think it should even... That shouldn't even be happen. discussed, to be honest. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Um, I've just got one more question. Um, yeah. What do you reckon the benefit of... Well, actually, a better way to frame this, why should people keep watching the Sheffield Shield once the international test season starts here in Australia? Once the international test season starts? Okay, um... Oh, look, in, in years gone by, especially if you've got the Ashes starting in mid-November, you generally have a couple of rounds of Shield overlapping with the Tests. Mm. This year, uh, thankfully, we I, be- I don't believe we have any rounds. We might have one round of Shield overlapping um, with the Tests, so it's, it's, it's very good for the Shield lovers out there. You get to watch uh, more of it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I... I I think that um, at the end of the day, people should be following field cricket because our batting lineup isn't set. You've mm. probably got two or three that pick themselves at the moment, and you've got another three spots that are heavily disputed. Mm. Watch the Sheffield Shield, see who the big performers are, and then you can say to your friends who don't watch the Shield, oh, bloody hell, I saw this bloke in the Shield the other week. He scored 100. He, he's bloody good. He plays a back foot cut better than anyone else. And it's <laughs> good for story time. But... Um, yeah, this, this, like I said, this year we're pretty lucky that um, that I think only one Sheffield Shield run overlaps with the Test against India, so there's there's plenty of time to get out there and support your state mm. and, and also look at the talent coming through because yeah, our, our batting in the Australian team is well now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's quite a few spots up for grabs. Watch it, you might enjoy it. Well, actually, I feel like a good way to maybe. Actually, Miles, is there anything you want to ask before we before we wrap it up? Because I'm no, like, no, no, you, you go, man. Cool. Just, man, I feel like we could talk about this all all afternoon, <laughs> um, but just obviously because we're trying we're trying to keep episodes episodes nice and tight. Um, we'll we'll draw it to a close. But just one final thing. Yep. Na- name your name your top seven in the Australian squad for first test against India, based mm. off what you've seen so far. Around the ground. <laughs> what I've seen so far on the Shield, and based on the UAE tour performances. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, I honestly could not name your top seven right now, but I'll, I'll throw a few names in there that I feel are safe. Um, Labuskag needs to starters. I think he needs to stay in there at number five or number six. Yep. Travis Head, I think you need to need to give him further opportunities. I think that's my really biggest one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it's a real shame about Kawaji going down with that knee, that knee injury. Um, mm. it, it it potentially opens the door for Peter Hanscombe to slide into the middle order. Um, he chose the right I, time to score a century this round, hey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, didn't he get that on the first day of the game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's always um always tough to score a hundred the MCG um because it's been quite a bowler friendly pitch, but um. What, what I'd say to the selectors is, is I know this sounds really nutty of me, but <laughs> look really closely at the circumstances around player performances. So, I mean, Mitch Marsh scoring 100 up, up at Allen Borderfield, I wouldn't disregard it entirely, but I'd be, I'd really analyse it carefully. Mm. Um, so, yeah, a 300 ball 100 from that kind of player might not be 
speaking huge volumes at the moment, or yeah, absolutely. That's 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 the point I'm getting at. So because um, you could compare that fairly directly to Doolan's century in the first innings. Um, but th- that Gabba picture was just you couldn't tell from the outfield, right? It was so green, and Doolan kind of dug in and and scored a big one. Completely different to Mitch Marsh just knocking around on a pretty far deck. Yeah, absolutely. And Doolan's had a pretty good start to the season. Um, I think, I think I mean, Doolan and Wade are right in the conversation, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I said probably about six or seven years ago that Wade could actually be a specialist batsman. Um, so <laughs> it looks like he's maybe finally realising there Slide in there at five or six, mm. but um, I'm just not a fan of Mitch Marsh at all. So I really hope he doesn't play. <laughs> I think there's quite a few people out there who might share that, then, to be honest. But hey, Matt, yeah. thanks so much for being so generous with your time. We've two right. strangers just sliding into your DMs. Um, really appreciate it, dude, and we'll definitely get like we'll definitely keep this correspondence going over the over the Shield season. It should be great. All right, no worries. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Love your work, mate. Bye. Thanks. Well, listeners, we've come to that time again where <laughs> it's almost time for us to wrap it up. But before we do, what better way to send us all off than with a great domestic moment? It'll be available up on our Facebook page after this episode goes up. But for now, you get to enjoy Miles commentating on this unseen moment that I provided for him in the audio format. So we've got, looks like a New South Welshman batting here. Uh, looks, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s again left-handed batsman and he's hit it down in the air all the way to long on and oh and the Queensland fielder has taken an absolute screamer of long on full length dive Adam Dale Adam Dale oh running one of the best catches you'll ever see says Bill Laurie on the commentary and <laughs> you know the uh, the New South Wales batsman old school oh, Simons in there wow so it's it's more late 90s then and uh, so left-handed New South Wales batsman. Matty Hayden's there too. Clogged Ian it down. There too. Clogged it down to long on, and Adam Dale has taken an absolute screamer running back to his right, full-length dive, and the crowd has just gone absolutely wild. Something you would not say about a domestic crowd today. <laughs> uh, over at the Gabba, actually. We've seen a great yeah. today, actually, and got a bit of applause. And oh, uh, there's the replay. With that, we'll uh, we'll leave you for next week. In fact, it's Phil Emery who uh, who was involved in our, in last week's moment. So Phil Emery, the batsman there. Phil, if you're listening, thank you for getting out so spectacularly. Um, I'm Alistair Belling. My name's Miles Caddy. See you next week. Catch you then.